Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Twin sisters Betty and Peggy Woods were born into a poor family in rural Alabama. It was very, very tough for the twins growing up. Though the sisters shared a womb, they became two very different women. One was loved. You had a school teacher and a Christian. No one had a bad word to say about. The other hated. She is a self-proclaimed rich bitch slut who came across as such. And these twin sisters will be front and center in the most sensational murder to ever hit Huntsville, Alabama. You couldn't script this, you know, you couldn't write this. Everybody wanted to hear the gory details of sex, lies, money, and murder. The town of Huntsville, Alabama lies deep in the heart of Dixie. Huntsville is known as the Rocket City. There are more rocket scientists per capita in this city than anywhere else in the country. When we got into the space race, the town just exploded. Large minds, if you will. Very, very smart people. It was Huntsville that helped put man on the moon. Yet here, Southern tradition flows as thick as sweet barbecue sauce. We have a lot of great food in Alabama, and we're really into it. It's fabulous, fabulous barbecue. Memorial Day is the official start to the barbecue season. But on May 22nd, 1992, something else was cooking. 
Betty and Dr. Jack Wilson have lived the good life in Huntsville for years. Well, there were the country clubs there, and really some of the uh, most elite of Huntsville, Alabama. The wealthy couple are planning a vacation in New Mexico, and Betty has spent the day out shopping for the trip. As she pulls into the driveway shortly after dark, something terrible lies in wait just up the stairs. She comes in, she calls Jack. He doesn't answer. She walks up the stairs, sees blood. Then she sees him at the end of the hallway. And she says she screams and literally fell down. As her husband lies in a pool of blood, Betty calls 911. Ma'am, hello. Okay, listen, I know you're upset, but you need to tell me what's happened, okay? Listen, this is the police department. Talk to me, okay? Were you in the house or did you walk in the house? Okay, you come home and you walked in the house and you saw this person laying on the floor. Who is the person to you? Police arrive minutes later and Dr. Wilson is pronounced dead on the scene. Police initially thought that it had been a botched burglary, that uh, perhaps Dr. Wilson walked in on someone who was attempting to, to rob the house, but they didn't find anything was missing. As they continue to analyze the crime scene, investigators become convinced that this is no robbery gone wrong. It was odd, it was almost overkill. In fact, it was overkill, but no one had a grudge against Jack. His patients loved him. He was loved by everyone who knew him. What could possibly be going on here? An investigation begins, and soon a pair of twin sisters will be front and center in the vicious murder of Dr. Jack Wilson. Twin sisters Betty and Peggy Woods were born in a tiny city tucked away in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. East Gadsden is near the border with Georgia. Sleepy would be a fairly good word to describe Gadsden. Their father, Oscar Woods, was a well-known and much-feared police officer. Being a police officer in a small southern town like East Gadsden, you pretty well rule it. You can do whatever you want, be as corrupt as you want, and there's nobody to answer to, really. His power was absolute. He could bully and abuse people in the, in the town. There was nothing they could do about it. This translated to his behavior at home. No one in town was safe from the wrath of Officer Wormy Woods, not even his twin daughters. Their father would come home late at night after a night of drinking and shine a flashlight at his twin daughter's eyes to wake them up. Wake up! And then he'd start beating them up. Betty and Peggy definitely had to, to rely on each other more so than, than most siblings probably have to because of, of the abuse. It was very, very tough for the twins growing up. I think Wormy Woods was, was a sadist, basically. He loved beating people up, including his twins. I'm talking to you! Wake up! Get up! And there was one twin who was subject to much more of their father's wrath. Betty was abused far more than Peggy was. And this made Peggy the protector. She protected her sister. Peggy was always coming to Betty's defense. They were thicker than molasses. 
there was nobody else to protect Betty, to love Betty in the ways that she needed to be loved at that time. To escape the abuse, the girls would spend long hours in the woods together in a fantasy world of their own creation. It was an opportunity for them to feel safe, to feel loved. Their lives could be anything they imagined them to be, anything they wanted them to be. The abuse they suffered created a bond that cannot be understood unless you have lived through that. And the twins had one other important ally, their mother. They loved their mother. They adored their mother because she tried. She tried her best to be for them all they needed, what they needed. Knowing that her husband was as cruel a man as he was, I think she made up for it in a lot of ways to her children. As the twin sisters grew into beautiful teenagers, the spotlight seemed to shine a bit brighter on one twin. Hey, Peggy. Peggy is the sweet, innocent, motherly type. She's the every boy's dream to take home to mama. Peggy was the good girl, the good twin. She was the homecoming queen. Perhaps in response to her sister's sparkling reputation, Betty etched out her own distinct identity. Betty was always the wild one, you know, the one with the reputation. Betty thought she was the ugly duckling and Peggy was the swan. She wants to be like Peggy, but she can't. Despite their differences, their relationship remained as it always was. Well, I think twins are unique. I mean, they, they're together right from the womb. That bond is inseparable. They're, they're there from the beginning, and they're always there for each other every day. Peggy loved her sister, and obviously Betty loved her too, but she was jealous of her, and, and Peggy treated her um, a lot like a mother would a child. After graduation from high school, the twins took the same path. Betty and Peggy were always very different. And yet, right after high school, both married, rather than going to college like a lot of Southern women did back in the day. Well, both of them married their uh, high school sweetheart. They had kids right away, but then they both divorced. And when they divorced, their lives diverged. That's when it changed. Their lives at a crossroads. The girls decided to take different paths for the first time ever. Peggy started teaching, and she married another teacher, and they were living in a small town in Alabama. While Peggy tucked herself into the gentle rhythms of small town life, Betty yearned for the bright lights of Huntsville. There was excitement here. Uh, the town was growing. There were people here from all over the world. Uh, it, it was a, it's a magnet. It still is a magnet for people from smaller towns in Alabama. Betty moved to Huntsville to become a nurse. And for the first time in their young lives, the twins were living apart. When she left that small town, it was almost like a bird out of a cage. The world became a playground for her for the first time. But the dark side of Huntsville would change Betty in profound ways. She was drinking. She started dabbling in some drugs. 
She had sex with a lot of different men. Literally, it was like Melrose Place. But sex and booze were nothing compared to what was about to come. She was vile and contemptuous. She had it all, but she wanted more and she wanted it now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Twin sisters Betty and Peggy Woods grew up in an abusive home. I'm talking to you! And together, they forged an unbreakable bond. Well, the bond between twins is unique, but the bond between Peggy and Betty was really, really strong. They would confide in each other and always try and help each other be their best. After years of the simple life in rural Alabama, Betty had finally stepped out on her own leaving her husband and children behind. She just wasn't cut out to be a mother. She packed up one day, and she went off to have a worldwide fling. In that particular time, in the context of that time, there were certain rules that you were intended to follow. Betty didn't follow the rules so much. She was constantly breaking them. It was a big deal. Now a single girl in the city of Huntsville, Betty was living it up. There was an apartment in Huntsville, a brand new apartment complex that everybody that was anybody lived. And literally, it was like Melrose Place. And Betty will tell you herself, she was drinking, she started dabbling in some drugs, she had sex with a lot of different men. By day, Betty worked as a nurse, 
but she had champagne tastes and high-class ambitions. And one day, opportunity would walk right into the hospital. Dr. Jack Wilson had moved to Huntsville to set up his optometry practice, and fate would put him in Betty's path. He had an excellent practice, made a lot of money. He was a catch, I guess, if you will. He was small in stature, but he had a huge personality, and everyone who met him liked him. He was really impressed with her. He said, she's not only smart, but she's a good-looking woman, you know. That's what he said about her. And then she said, he's the cutest thing I've ever seen, so I guess it was love at first sight. Before long, the two were married, and Jack's practice soon took off. A medical specialist in a field like that can make a lot of money if they're willing to work hard, and he was willing to work hard. Jack's practice started thriving, and he was making about a million dollars a year. Betty always wanted the finer things in life. And when she met Jack Wilson, it offered her an opportunity she'd never been given before. Jack would buy her fur coat after fur coat, BMWs, Mercedes. She spent what she wanted, went where they wanted. It was the lifestyle Betty had always dreamed of. They built a beautiful home uh, in what we call Pill Hill, which is the area where all the doctors live. You can drive down the streets. The houses are plantation-style homes. They are huge, columned, uh, beautifully manicured lawns. And now, with money to burn, Betty and Jack became regulars in Huntsville High Society. Huntsville is a place where if you uh, have accomplishment, if you are in a certain position or doing a certain job, you're very respected this town. They were moving not just in suburbia, they were moving in society. They were the cream of Huntsville society. After such a difficult childhood, it seemed Betty Wilson finally had the life of her dreams. Being the doctor's wife meant that Betty was finally accepted for Betty because she was Mrs. Wilson. He gave her a stability that she had never had. He gave her stature that she had never had. But for some people, having everything isn't enough. As the years went by, life changed for Betty Wilson when her husband's fragile health took a turn for the worse. He had Crohn's disease, and he had another flare-up, and he was going to have to have surgery. He eventually had a colostomy and had to wear the bag. Making matters worse, the operation leaves Jack impotent. They were not able to have sex anymore, and that part of their relationship deteriorated. She would hound him and hound him and hound him every night. What do you think? You know, I'd love to, but really, Tony, not tonight. As their marriage falls apart, Betty begins to drink heavily. Whether she was resentful uh, of something in the relationship she wasn't getting, whether she was frustrated, whether it hadn't turned out the way she'd hoped it turned out, all of those kinds of things that you might treat with another glass of wine. That was her biggest problem, was she just 
drank and drank and drank until she passed out. The more Betty drinks, the darker her personality becomes, and she directs her anger towards her impotent husband. When she drank, she would berate him in public. She would talk about him in a way that was mean, sometimes even hateful. And when I talk, you better listen. And she would make fun of his wearing the bag. She called him bag. You're just a stupid little bag. That's all you are, Jack. That was Betty. She had a foul mouth. Betty soon begins to seek sex in other places and with her husband's blessing. She said that Dr. Wilson told her she needed to fulfill her, whatever her needs were and that it was okay with him, basically. He said it was just sex. He approved of her extramarital affairs because he couldn't perform. Now unfettered by traditional standards of fidelity, Betty openly welcomes a series of lovers into her home and into her marital bed. Betty definitely flaunted um, her sexual relationships with other men. She was not at all ashamed of it. I think everybody who knew them knew. And such behavior doesn't sit well with Huntsville society. If you want to be in society at that time, there were expectations. Behave with a certain maturity, a certain control of yourself, a certain respectability. It's not unusual to find that people have extramarital affairs, but to be so blatant with it, it's uh, certainly in the South the show of no class. Increasingly isolated from her circle of friends, Betty continues to drink. But you know, you might think about getting some help. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And always the surrogate mother. Peggy tells Betty there's only one way to get her drinking under control. Now, have you ever thought of going to one of those meetings, you know, like... Peggy acts and steps in as a mom once again. And she played a huge part in Betty actually going to AA meetings for the first time. Betty begins attending meetings regularly, and she's able to stop the drinking, but she can't stop the sex. She stayed sober, but Betty wasn't only addicted to alcohol, she was addicted to sex, okay? At the AA meetings, she was very flirtatious. She just is sort of a vixen, and she used her body and her sexuality to get what she wanted in men. If she were to have had a little black book, it would be comparable to Heidi Fleiss. Though the drinking had stopped, the sex continues, and Betty remains miserable in her marriage. She did give up one vice for another. Hi, Peggy. Hi, honey. Yeah. How you doing? And twin sister Peggy always wants to help. They're very, very closely in tune with each other's feelings and thoughts. They're very, very sympathetic to one another. It's almost like two peas from the same pod. Her twin sister is still like her mother, even though she lives hours away. They talk on the phone, they keep in touch, and Peggy knows that Betty is out of control. But what Peggy offers to do will draw a stranger with a dark obsession into the mix. He has a set of rotten teeth and stinks to high heaven. 
and the twins will soon be drawn into a vicious web of murder. It was a brutal attack. It was a senseless brutal attack. And shocking revelations. They start questioning him. That's when he breaks down and tells them what he says really happened. Beautiful twin sisters Peggy and Betty were best of friends, living opposite lives. They were contrasting in every way, really. Uh, you know, Peggy in the small towns, Betty living the life of, you know, luxury. And there seemed to be no boundaries, spoken or unspoken, that Betty wouldn't cross. 20 years ago, it wasn't quite as accepted to have sexual relationship or a relationship at all with a black man. And Betty did, pretty openly. And that's why she was so hated. Because she was not living the life that a Southern white woman lived in Huntsville, Alabama. Which I think was like a, a rebellion against her father, who'd been such a racist when they'd grown up. And this was really to show him, I think. It seems self-evident to many in Huntsville that Betty Wilson no longer wished to be married. There was a lot of gossip. I mean, she was probably the biggest source of gossip around Huntsville in that time. She was never really able to escape East Gadsden completely. You can't make a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear. And she was, in some respect, always going to be that girl from the wrong side of the tracks. But a simple divorce may not have suited Betty's lifestyle. A, a woman who knew her, they worked together, I believe that uh, the woman's husband had died. She had had some sort of inheritance, told Betty about it. Betty had responded. <laughs> Sometimes I wish someone would murder my husband. <laughs> Her friend uh, didn't know whether she was serious or, or kidding, but really was puzzled that something like that would come up in a conversation. But Betty laughs off the suggestion as a joke. Just kidding, dear, just kidding. She may have been the harlot of Huntsville, but a black widow, she was not. Back in the small town of Vincent, Peggy continues to live a simple life. During the same time that Betty is spiraled out of control and living this uh, flagrant life, um, Peggy is singing in the choir and teaching Sunday school. Peggy was living an entirely different life. and She was an exemplary citizen, and she loved to help people out. Peggy was, was seen as someone who helped unfortunate people. She was um, a very a kind person, according to people in, in her community. Her good Samaritan ways would lead her to a man who would change her life and her twin sister's life forever. James White had been doing work at the school where Peggy was his teacher. He was building some shelves for one of the teachers there at that uh, elementary school. James White had, uh, had grown up uh, poor, not well-educated, not well-spoken. She was a church-going woman. She was a Christian, and she wanted to help him. He has a set of rotten teeth and stinks to high heaven. You ought to come work for me. She felt sorry for him. They gave him work, her and her husband, all kinds of work. 
Peggy delights in her new charity case. And endlessly patient, Peggy listens to James, just as she always had listened to her twin sister. Oh, how hard that must have been for you. James would call her and she would listen to his problems on her home telephone, sometimes hours at a time. Hey, how you doing? It's James. He called her continuously. As their conversations continue, James becomes utterly smitten with lovely Peggy Lowe. But it was also clear that he developed an, at least an infatuation with Peggy Lowe, and he wanted to do whatever he could do to please her. And James would do anything for Peggy. Absolutely anything. James White is having a good day. After a life of destitution, he has recently come into some cash. This was a man who basically uh, had no means, he had no income, and about $2,000 seems to have just fallen from the sky. And one of the places James spends his newfound money is in the local bar. James White was a drinker, and he was a braggart. That's just the beginning. And he liked to make himself seem grander and bigger than life, which is something he clearly was not. Money's going to be pouring in. <laughs> then started bragging around it to friends, saying, there's a rich bitch that's offered me money to kill a doctor. Nobody really took him very seriously, but one uh, woman, she went to uh, the local police and told them about it. Well, the cop takes all the information down. There didn't seem to be any pressing need to investigate it, so he files it and leaves it alone. Things may finally be looking up for Betty and Jack Wilson. Well, it was the Friday before Memorial Day. They were planning for having a second honeymoon. Jack was making one last desperate effort to get the marriage to work. Even though their marriage had been rocky for some time, clearly rocky, they still liked each other. They weren't trying to divorce. The two meet up for lunch at home. They had a quick lunch. They talked about the trip. They were looking forward to it. She was excited. He was excited. Um, they were trying to repair their marriage. But neither Jack nor Betty will ever make it to Santa Fe. Not far away in a Huntsville parking lot, a very drunk and very high James White is waiting in a car. So he'd been taking uh, pills, he'd been taking uppers, uh, he'd been drinking. A much larger plot is already in motion, but the true mastermind has yet to be revealed. If the roles were reversed, this story would have ended much differently. Beautiful and kind Peggy Lowe has done all she can to pull her twin sister Betty back from the edge of self-destruction. Peggy had always looked after Betty. She was the protector. She'd been very proud that she'd gone to Alcoholics Anonymous and actually was doing very, very well. And I think Peggy felt sorry for it. Obviously, Betty Wilson has led this crazy lifestyle by all accounts. Everybody says Peggy says she was doing so much better. And Peggy would do anything for her sister.
After work, Jack Wilson arrives home to what he believes is an empty house. Betty was at an AA meeting, um, and he came home as he always did just at, at his normal time, his normal routine. And a little boy that was playing in his front yard next door saw Jack get go inside, get a baseball bat, and use that bat to put a sign in his front yard. When he finishes hammering the political sign into his lawn, he returns to the house. Suddenly, he hears a noise from upstairs. Jack Wilson heard something, and he was aware that somebody was in the house. And he came upstairs to see who was there. When he reached the top of the stairs, James White grabbed the baseball bat, took it out of his hands, and just th thundered it down on his skull and started beating him with it. The little man just wouldn't die. And so what happens after that is James White has a knife that he keeps in his pocket. He pulls out the knife and he just starts stabbing. And he keeps stabbing until he's sure that the doctor's dead. His work finished, James White slips out of the house and out of sight. After a busy day of tanning, shopping, and an AA meeting, Betty Wilson finally pulls into her driveway at 9.30 p.m. Jack! 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 Shortly after dark, Betty Wilson drove home. She came upstairs. She saw Jack lying in a pool of blood. She ran downstairs, went out the door, and headed to the nearest neighbor. She banged on her door, screaming, Jack's dead, Jack's dead. And then she dialed 911 to report it. Ma'am, hello. Okay, listen, I know you're upset, but you need to tell me what's happened, okay? Hello. Listen, this is the police department. Talk to me, okay? Were you in the house, or did you walk in the house? Walk. Okay, you come home, and you walked in the house, and you saw this person laying on the floor. Who is the person to you? <laughs> Within minutes, the police are at the scene of the crime. Also quick to arrive is twin sister Peggy. Peggy came right away. Peggy was with her. Peggy says she vividly remembers holding her and hugging her and that she was inconsolable. As Betty sobs, police investigate the scene. What they encountered was what at first appeared to be a typical home break-in. However, what they found was there was nothing missing. They, from the very beginning, had a puzzle. Uh, what was the motive for someone uh, murdering this man when nothing of value was taken from the home? There was a brutal attack. It was a senseless brutal attack. Who would want the man dead? The next morning, Dr. Wilson's murder is all over the news. The murder of Dr. Wilson was huge news, the biggest news in, in, in memory in town. People knew this man, they respected this man. And I would say that the uh, brown-haired girl with the pink dress should be the obvious winner if it's a fair contest. As Dr. Wilson is laid to rest, Betty looks every bit the grieving widow. But the investigation into Dr. Wilson's murder is about to heat up. When you have someone killed, 
uh, in, in a situation like that, you take a look at the spouse. It didn't take them long, you know, to find out that this was a troubled marriage. Yeah, I wish you would just get better. They had an odd relationship. There were men coming to their home when Dr. Wilson wasn't there. She was certainly having a life of her own outside of the marriage with Dr. Wilson. While unconventional, Betty and Jack's arrangement isn't illegal. And as the investigation continues, Betty assembles a team of lawyers to discuss her hefty inheritance. This was a, a situation where, you know, the spouse would have inherited a considerable amount of money, a potential motive. Betty stood to, to gain about $5 million. With no other suspects, all eyes turned to Betty Wilson. And so they began to look at that a little more closely. You know, where was she? What was her story? And a theory begins to take hold. Betty, at this point, certainly fit the profile of a woman who would murder her husband that she was a greedy person. Uh, she was vile and contemptuous of the man who basically gave her everything. You can't even get it up for your own wife. But so far, there is no evidence to link the new widow to the murder of her husband. Until a few days later, when police receive a shocking phone call. A couple of days after the murder, a report turned up that had been filed to another police station just before the murder, saying that there was going to be a doctor murdered in Huntsville. Police in Vance, Alabama, called Huntsville authorities when this police report is filed and say, it's our understanding as a doctor that has been murdered is linked to a James White in our jurisdiction. It doesn't take long for investigators to track down James White. James White was uh, found in Harpersville, Alabama, near Birmingham, uh, after uh, the police received information, a tip, uh, that they should uh, to talk to him about this murder. James White is arrested, and he soon agrees to make a confession. James White was very pale. He was jittery. He um, moved a lot. She kind of shook a lot. They start questioning him, and that's when White breaks down and tells them what he says really happened. Authorities learn there's much more to this story than just James White. James began confessing reluctantly and slowly, and the more they interviewed him, the more information uh, that came out. And all secrets and scandals will be revealed in the most sensational trial to ever hit Huntsville, Alabama. Everybody was watching. Everybody, whether they wanted to admit it or not, wanted to hear the gory details of sex, lies, money, and murder. James White stands accused of a brutal murder, and in the state of Alabama, that could mean death by electrocution. But James White is ready to sing. They made a, a deal that in return for his statements that he would be uh, given life you know, in prison. And the story James will tell during his confession shocks even the most veteran detectives. White tells them what he said happened, that he 
was there to kill the doctor for the woman that he loved who asked him to do it. James claims that it all started when he met Peggy Lowe. He was totally infatuated with Peggy Lowe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, we're, we're friends. You do a lot of jobs for her. He talked for hours on the telephone with her. You know I'd do anything for you. He, he was in love with her, in lust with her, however you want to describe it. Uh, but he was totally enthralled uh, by her, her personality and, uh, and their relationship. You said you'd do anything for me, baby. You, you just tell me what it is, and, and, and I'll do it. And James claims in his confession that during their long phone conversations, the talk turned to murder. He told investigators that they were intimate, that they had physical relationship. He was willing to do what he thought Peggy wanted him to do for her sister. James then tells investigators he was introduced to Betty Wilson. And then he says the threesome formulated a plot to kill Dr. Wilson. And so Peggy asked me to help out her sister. Yeah, and how'd you help her out? Trace the phone records between uh, Peggy and Betty and then to include James White. And for the week or two before the murder itself, it went from practically nothing spiking to a lot of phone calls, frequent phone calls, before the murder itself. According to White, after lunch with her husband on Friday, Betty drove to the mall. She said she was going shopping, but James claimed she was there for another reason. James White said that he actually met Betty Wilson in the parking lot of a local mall, and that she gave him money there, and that she drove him to her home where he could wait on Dr. Wilson to come home from work and kill him. And the rest, according to James White's confession, is murderous history. James White claimed that that was a, the culmination of a relationship with Peggy Lowe and an agreement with uh, Betty Wilson uh, that he would be paid upon uh, the, the death of Dr. Wilson. James White is sentenced to life without parole. And the most sensational trial in Huntsville's memory is about to get started. Everybody wanted to hear the gory details of sex, lies, money, and murder. It's what even Southern women want to watch. <laughs> and they did. I mean, it was the talk of the town. The twins arrive for their arraignment together. This was described in Huntsville, Alabama as a case of the century. There'd never been another uh, case with such notoriety. The twins will be tried separately, and the stakes couldn't be higher. Possible sentences were death by electrocution or life in prison without the possibility of parole. The trial had to be moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hundreds of people lined up waiting to get in, including reporters from CNN, um, Boston Globe, uh, New York Times. Betty Wilson arrives at her murder trial with an armada of expensive lawyers, as well as a hair and makeup team. Uh, before each day, they requested that she be allowed to uh, have someone come in and dress her and do her hair and do her makeup. That's a little atypical. <laughs> in criminal cases. But we agreed to let her do that. I wanted her to look just as nice as she wanted to look. Betty may look great, 
but all of her dirty laundry is on display. Now that's where all the testimony came out about the past relationships, about the extreme dislike she supposedly had for her husband. And Betty must battle not only the evidence, but her reputation as well. She is a self-proclaimed rich bitch slut who came across as such in court. Betty Wilson made her bed, and she had to lie in it. The trial reaches an emotional high point when Peggy takes the stand. And just like when they were children, she comes to Betty's defense. Well, Peggy denied having a relationship with James, and she also uh, did a good job of defending her sister uh, by saying that she, you know, she was not evil. She was not someone who would, would kill her husband for money. But the jury doesn't buy it. On March 3rd, 1993, Betty Wilson is convicted of arranging the murder of her husband. And in Alabama, it could mean the electric chair. What happened after she was found guilty, judge called us back to chambers and said, look, I'm just gonna tell you guys, I'm not gonna give her death. The guy who actually did the murder didn't get death. I just don't think it's right. In the end, Betty is spared death and sentenced to life in prison. Six months after her twin, Peggy Lowe stands trial. Peggy's trial was very different than Betty's, night and day. Peggy's attorney was the best of the best. He knew what he was doing. He paraded all of the church members into the courtroom. And all of the little ladies with their Bibles showed jurors a picture of the kind of woman that would never hire a hitman to kill someone. The contrast between the twins couldn't have been any clearer. And Peggy's pious reputation appears to pay off. I was not surprised that Peggy Lowe was found uh, not guilty. And the case against her was not as good a case as the case against her sister. This is the first week of our three-week break, and when school starts, I'll be there. And now, even two decades later, the trial of two twin sisters, one innocent and one guilty, still provokes questions. What if Betty had been the church-going, sweet choir girl whose husband was murdered? What would happen then? Would Betty be found not guilty? And Peggy found guilty? If the roles were reversed, just in their personalities that they had from birth, this story would have ended much differently. People often ask, how can two people be charged, one be found not guilty and one be found uh, guilty? And, and I liken it to a, uh, 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 the strike zone in baseball. One umpire calls strikes one way, uh, another umpire maybe has a little separate standard. It's within the providence of the jury in each jury, separate juries, whether someone is guilty or not. It's, it's an imperfect science.
Betty Wilson remains in prison. She maintains her innocence and has appealed her sentence without success several times. 